0: Uh, We're continuing in the book of Matthew. We're in Matthew chapter 26, 57 through 68. And if you remember, we talked about Gethsemane. Jesus' moment of his his grieving. He's he's asking his father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Three times he prays. Three times he finds the disciples sleeping. The inner circle, those really connected to him. And they kind of let him down. And then after the third time, he says, oh, behold, my betrayer cometh, and he points at Judas. And Judas was coming with a cohort, we learned in John. Six hundred to a thousand people, plus the uh, the people from the chief priest, and that sort of thing were also also included in that group. And they came with malintent. And Jesus did something amazing. He walks towards them and he says, Whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said three words, I am he. And I don't know if you remember what happened, but all those guys dropped like tinker toys, pickup sticks, wood on the side of Mount St. Helen. (laughs) They dropped all over the place. And uh, they knew that Jesus was who he said it was. And Jesus does something interesting. He actually commands them to release the disciples. And the disciples were free to go. They, they had every intention, I think, to hang Jesus and those 11 that were left. They had madness in their hearts. They had murder in their hearts. And Jesus just takes over the situation. Jesus allowed himself to be bound. No one bound Jesus until he said, you can bind me now. And then they took him off to the house of Caiaphas, which we'll study today. So if you would stand for a reading of Matthew 26, 57 through 68, and those who had laid hold of Jesus led him away to Caiaphas the high priest where the scribes and the elders were assembled. But Peter allowed him, but Peter followed him at a distance to the high priest's courtyard, and he went in and sat with the servants to see the end. Now the chief priests, the elders and all the council sought false testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but found none. Even though many false witnesses came forth, they found none. But at least two false witnesses came forward and, and said, this fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. And the high priest arose and said to him, do you answer nothing? Was it, what is it that these men testify against you? But Jesus kept silent and the high priest answered and said to him, I put you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the son of God, Jesus said to him, It is as you said. Nevertheless, I say to you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes, saying, He has spoken blasphemy. What further need do we have of witnesses? Look, now you have heard his blasphemy. What do you think? They answered and said to him, He is deserving of death. And they spat in his face and beat him with and others struck him with the palms of their hands, saying, prophesy to us, Christ, who is the one who struck you? This is the word of God. Father, thank you for this time. As always, we're so grateful to be able to spend time in your word as a corporate body. We are joined together in heart and spirit, unified together as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you so much that we can get truth from your word, understand your plan for humanity, through your word, that we can come to know the great God of heaven through Jesus Christ, sacrifice on the cross for us. Help us with this study. Holy Spirit, speak to each one of our hearts things that we need to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Thanks be I like that. Thanks be to God, yes. Well, maybe we'll switch this. That was pretty good, Jason. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, the theme of Matthew, as you know, is Jesus is the promised king. And the point that I wanted to emphasize over and over, and I think I have, is Jesus allowed himself to be bound. No one bound him by force until he allowed him, until he allowed them. Excuse me. Why did Jesus do this? Why, you know, nobody could bind him with ropes or chains or any type of constricting device. Nobody could do it. You know why he did it? He did it out of love for each one of us. Every person in this world he died for, to have a chance to know the God of heaven through him. He did it out of love. Jesus is taken to six illegal trials. Now, Matthew doesn't record this, but the first illegal trial was before Annas. We will see that soon. He is taken first in Matthew's account to Caiaphas. So Jesus' second illegal trial, 57 through 58, which we've just read, And those who had laid hold of Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. But Peter followed at a distance to the high priest's courtyard, and he went, went in and sat with the servants to see the end. Peter wanted to be there to see this whole event, but soon Peter will betray Jesus. Jesus will be condemned for being the Messiah. Make no question about that. He has long since been rejected as the Messiah. Remember, it went all the way back to Matthew chapter 12, when they accused them of blasphemy, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, all the way back to then. That was their their time when they had made a confirmed decision in the hierarchy of Israel to reject Jesus as the Messiah. Those people also, those rejecters, the chief priests and Pharisees influenced the people. Now, there's going to be six trials of Jesus And I have an overhead here from Robert Dean in his teaching on this. The first three are are religious and the second three are civil. Annas, Annas was number one, Caiaphas, the Sanhedrin, Pilate, Herod, then Pilate. The last three, the first three were religious. The last three are civil. So that's something we want to remember. They're all illegal. Now, Israel had rules. Rules for how you arrest somebody. Rules for how you prosecute somebody. They broke all of these. There was to be no arrest by religious authorities that were affected by a bribe. And Judas took a bribe. No steps of criminal proceedings were to occur after sunset. Most of these trials occurred at night in secret. Judges or members of the Sanhedrin were not allowed to participate in the arrest. They did. There were to be no trials before the morning sacrifice. There were to be no secret trials, only public. These guys broke all of their rules, their rules in order to get Jesus. They hated Jesus. So, Annas is the first one. He's the first illegal trial. So, why Annas? Annas was the high priest from 6 to 15 AD. There was a guy whose name was Valerius Gratus, he was Pilate's predecessor. And he, did, he hated Annas and improperly displaced him from his position. And Caiaphas, his son-in-law, took over. John eighteen twelve through 13, 12 and 13 says this. They first took Jesus to Annas. Then the detachment of troops and captain and officers of the, of the Jews, that's a lot of people, arrested Jesus and bound him when he allowed himself to be bound. And they led him off to, first to Annas. For he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was a priest that year. Remember, Jesus had to be bound. The sacrifice had to be bound. And Jesus fulfilling the Old Testament type was bound. I don't know if you remember this, but in the Old Testament in Genesis, you have the story of Abraham and Isaac. Isaac was, to, was bound and placed on an altar to be burned. Okay, this is strange. It's called the akadah, the binding. Abraham was tested. He was was told to sacrifice his son. Now take your son, your only son, Isaac. By the way, Isaac wasn't his only son. From Hagar, he had Ishmael, from where we get the Arab nations today. But he was the son of the promise. In the eyes of God, he's recognized as the only son. The only son, whom you love. And go to the land of Moriah, where the Temple Mount is, and offer him there as a burnt offering. Now a burnt offering is known as an olah, And it means completely consumed. Right down to the dust and ashes. That is what an olah is. And Isaac, by the way, doesn't know exactly what's happening to him. But he has kind of an idea as he's going up this mountain. They had wood. They had, they had the sacrifice. They'll go and worship. In Genesis 22, 5, and Abraham said to his young man, stay here with the donkey the lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back. Do you know what Abraham believed in? He believed in resurrection. He believed that Isaac would be resurrected, and that he was going to go back with his son down the hill. That is a profound moment. In 22.6, Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and the knife, and the two of them went together. Folks, this is a picture of Jesus carrying his cross. This is a picture of Jesus you know, 4,000 years before his time. Isaac carried the wood. Isaac had to carry enough wood to consume him. Isaac had to be, not in your Sunday school pictures where you have this little boy walking up the thing. No, he had to carry all the wood up the mountain. Okay, this is a man. People estimate between 20 and 30 years old, carrying his wood up the mountain. And, and more profoundly, Isaac is over 100 years old. Isaac, 20 or 30 years old. He could have rebelled at any point in this process. say, Hey, Dad, you getting some Alzheimer's? I mean, you think this is really right? I mean, God did not tell me this. He, you're saying he told you this. I mean, you could have come up with something like that, or he could have. Imagine the faith of Isaac. But it's, he, he submitted to his father. And in verse 12, an angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord intervenes, which is a pre-incarnate Jesus. And he says this, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son. And you know the story, the ram is in the thicket. And the, thicket the ram becomes the, the sacrifice on Moriah. Jesus was bound and taken to Annas. Then he goes from. So Annas' trial is this illegal, held at night, no specific charges. Annas found Jesus guilty, though he was innocent. He goes from there to Caiaphas' house, where we pick up our story today in Matthew. Illegal, held at night, false witnesses. He was. The charge was, Jesus was claiming to be the Messiah. He was convicted of blasphemy and found guilty, though he was innocent. Then from there, they go to the Sanhedrin. That's the 71 ruling council. That's their Supreme Court. That's where the final decisions are made. And it was an illegal trial. But however, you needed the approval of the Supreme Court to advance this case to Rome. And so they did. Pilate was the a, was a first trial, c- civil trial, governmental trial, and it was illegal. He was kept under arrest, although he was innocent, but they declared him guilty. The charge was treason, punishable by death. And then Pilate, knowing that this man was innocent, but feeling the pressure of the crowd, capitulated to the crowd and wanted to get Jesus out of his hair and send him to Herod. Remember Herod Antipas. And Herod Antipas wants to see Jesus perform. Remember that? Do some tricks for me, Jesus. Jesus didn't open his mouth before Herod, he would not respond to that man at all. It was illegal, no defense attorney. There were no actual charges given. He was mistreated and mocked, and Jesus went back to Pilate. And it's interesting that the scriptures tell us that before this, Herod and Pilate hated each other. But this incident brought them together. Folks, birds of a feather flocked together. At the sixth trial, Pilate, Pilate was there. and It was illegal without proof of guilt. The charge, again, was treason, not proven, but he was found guilty. And at that trial, Pilate even gave the crowd the opportunity to have Barabbas set free or Jesus set free. They considered Barabbas an insurrectionist, and they considered Jesus an insurrectionist. Which would you like? And you know, Jesus, crucify him. Free Barabbas, crucify Jesus. Peter followed Jesus at a distance. Peter could not understand why Jesus was not fighting. I don't think Peter, Peter's wondering, this is your last time, Jesus. There's no, there's no time left. I mean, do something great here, Jesus. And he sat with the servants to see the end. Now, look, at. I think this is happening. Peter wanted to be faithful He wanted to prove Jesus wrong, that he would not stumble. Then Peter was going through the eternal struggle that each one of us have of fear versus faith and fear won out in this man that was the macho man of the disciple group. Folks, I think we can identify fear oftentimes wins out. And remember, it's faith versus fears in the moments of life. We all have them. They come constantly. You have to deal with them. We know for sure that the persecuted church can deal with this. They deal with it all the time. Stand for Christ in the public arena. It's becoming more and more difficult here. If you stand for Christ in the public arena, what are they going to call you? You're a hater. You are mean. You are evil because you don't go along with what the world system wants you to go along with. The, there's, the cry really is this. You Christians can have your religion, but be quiet in your corner. And so many Christians blend with the world to be safe. Blend to be safe. And I would suggest to you, don't do that. Deal with your fear, stand for the Lord, and present the gospel to people that are saying it's not real. Tell them. Now, Jesus is going to go to us. It's all about a stacked court, 59 through 61. And we see it starts with Caiaphas. Now, the chief priests and elders and all the council sought false testimony against Jesus to put him to death. Now, Matthew blends all these things together, the, the Sanhedrin, the council, and his, his meeting with them. But found none. Even though many false witnesses came forward, they found none. But at least two false witnesses came forward and said, this fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. Now, you know this is a sham court. We know that there have been many sham courts in our country and throughout the world that have already determined what they're going to do to the one standing on trial. They've already determined in their hearts the outcome is, is a theta complete. That is what is happening here. The, uh, the sham trial... A stack court, verse 59, the elders, the council, the sanhedrin, all of them saw testimony to get Jesus. There was not one false witness out of a parade of witnesses that were credible. No two agreed. Now they have a law in Israel. In Deuteronomy 1915, the law states that two or three witnesses must agree. They could not find these witnesses to agree. Not one. The council is starting to get really fearful. How can we get this guy? I mean, they have to have somebody that's going to agree. And none of them did. Jesus was a threat to their personal security and position. Now, I want to suggest to you that in this group of people that hate Jesus are the ones that were in the temple when he overthrew the money changer several times. The chief priests, the Pharisees were there making money off the people, wanting the people to buy their perfect sacrifice and throw their imperfect sacrifice away. So that would cost them. That would cost them. And Jesus hated that overturned the money tables and dealt with that situation at least two times in his ministry. These are the ones he faced off with. These are the ones that wanted payback. These are the ones that wanted Jesus out of their hair because they're affecting his, their income done away with, killed folks, guaranteed, absolutely going to happen. There would be no fair trial on this day. 62 through 65, Jesus, now watch how he responds to the pressure. He's calm under pressure in the sham trial. Look at, I want to ask you, please, as much as you can, as the spirit of God fills you, be calm in your moment of trial. You will have that moment, whether it's before people whether that's your own life that you're dealing with, an illness or something like that, be calm in your hour of trial. Turn your eyes on Jesus. It's the only way that can happen. Cannot happen unless your eyes are on him. Sham trial. No witnesses. No fair trial. 62 through 65, calm under pressure. And the high priest rose and said to him, do you answer nothing? He wasn't answering these guys, period. What is it that these men testify against you? But Jesus kept silent. And the high priest answered and said to him, I put you under oath by the living God. Can you imagine the depth of his, this guy's voice? I put you under oath by the living God. He wasn't just gentle with Jesus. I put you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the son of God. And Jesus' answer is straight forward, no hesitation, no waffling. Jesus said to him, it is as you said. Nevertheless, I say to you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest, showing his disdain for this, tore his clothes saying, he has spoken blasphemy. What further need do we have of witnesses? Look, now you have heard his blasphemy, that evil word that the Jewish people try to throw out of everybody, on everybody that doesn't agree with them. Blasphemy, blasphemy. The high priest explodes and Jesus still stays silent. He only spoke when he was religious, religiously required to. He only spoke at the time when he had to. 700 years prior to this, Isaiah the prophet spoke about this moment. In Isaiah 53.7, now there's going to be two pictures here. The one on the left is the lamb, and notice that he was bound. The lamb is bound. The sacrifice is always bound. Jesus was bound, taken to these illegal trials, and he was also bound on the cross. Then we have the next picture from Isaiah 53.7. Tells us exactly what's going on. He was oppressed, And he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shears is silent. So he, so he opened not his mouth. Jesus is being talked about in this prophecy. 700 years before came to fruition during the trial. Folks, we are worshiping. The right person prophecy ful- fulfilled declares that the high priest i think this high priest was frazzled angry even approaching hysterical plays his trump card i i put you under oath by the living god tell us if you are the christ the son of god and jesus responds to this legal request it is as you said he's calm there's no angst five words I don't think Jesus said it this way. I don't think he said, it's as you said. It's as you said. No, I think Jesus did it calmly. It's as you said. In the midst of that mess, he responds calmly. No angst, five words, no elaboration. I am the Messiah. I am the son of the living God. I am God. No hesitation. Now, Jesus' next statement is mind-blowing. Hereafter, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Jesus knew who he was, even though these other people ignored who he was. Every world religion, folks, and every cult deny that Jesus is God. They deny the deity of Christ. All other religions and all, and all cults are false because they deny who Jesus is. Now, they might sound good, but they are wrong, and you're headed in the right, wrong direction. Jesus gives two proofs that he is the Son of God. Sitting at the right hand of God, he's saying this loud and clear, I will be resurrected, I will be sitting on the right hand of God, which is a God position, not an angel position, not a human position, that is a God position. You may kill me, but I will live. And then he says this, I will return on the clouds of heaven. Now, when Jesus returns, he is not returning as the carpenter. He is not returning as the gentle Jesus. He is returning as the King of kings, the Lord of Lord, the judge of the earth, and his wrath will be poured out on the earth dwellers who have rejected him. Two proofs. Now, Acts 1, 9 through 11 tells how Jesus went up to heaven and also say how he will return. Let's pick it up here. Now, when he had spoken these things while they watched, they watched. These are the disciples. They're watching Jesus go into the heavens. Uh, he He ascends slowly. I mean, this is an amazing thing. I mean, they must have been blown away by this. This is not something anybody has ever done. I mean, you know how Pharaoh's magicians could copy some of this stuff? Nobody's copying this one as he ascends into heaven. He was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven, as he went up, behold, two men, angels stood by them in white apparel. Give you a hint on who they are. Who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? And I would just say to those two guys, man, we've never seen this. I mean, this is unbelievable. This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven. Now get these words will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Now the next verse is up here. Revelation 1 7 tells us how he's coming back. And it agrees with this. Look, he is coming with the clouds. Every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him That's speaking to the nation of Israel in particular, and all the peoples of the earth will mourn because they've been rebellion against Jesus because of him, so shall it be. Amen. Look at Jesus is coming in the clouds. You know, who's coming with him? The bride, the bride, the bride who has been raptured, the bride who is in heaven, the bride will return with their groom. Wherever Jesus goes, that's where the bride goes. We have to remember that the rapture is folks is not the second, second coming. Remember the rapture. We meet Jesus in the air. And then we go to Father's house and you have the beam of seat judgment and then you have the marriage supper that takes place. The second coming, Jesus returns to earth and every eye will see him. And he reigns as King of kings and Lord of lords, the judge of all the earth. Revelation 19, 16 through 7 says it all. I mean, these are great verses for us. I mean, now I saw heaven open. This is John. And behold, a white horse And he who sat on him was called faithful and true. Now, this would be who? Jesus. And in in righteousness, he judges and makes war. He's coming back as a warrior. Now, stop right here. You have a chance now to believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, as your loving Savior, as your gentle shepherd, as the one who loves you more than anything else. If you miss this chance, he's coming back to deal with you. He's coming back. There's, there's no softness here. This is the wrath of God. Now, out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations, the nations. And he himself will rule them with a the rod of iron. That's the millennial reign of Christ. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Folks, the king is coming. The king is coming. He's coming to set up a kingdom where he will rule. He will rule with the rod of iron in the kingdom. Okay, I'm looking forward for a lawful, a law-abiding kingdom. Now, I don't know about you, but we're not living in that. We don't have a facsimile of that. We have the kangaroo court going on. I mean, when you don't prosecute shoplifters that are massively going in to steal stuff, that's lawlessness, folks. When you allow Antifa to take over Portland, when you allow Antifa to, to destroy in, with, with impunity, and few are many are arrested, the police try to do their job, it's the prosecutors. It's the prosecutors that let them out. It's a tragedy. It's a tragedy. The high priest Tore his clothes, saying he has spoken blasphemy, punishable by death. Now look, at tearing your clothes was only reserved for those who are grief. The high priest was not allowed to tear his clothes unless there was blasphemy, and this guy took his shot at this. He just tore his clothes. Blasphemy has been spoken. He wants Jesus dead. Now, what is blasphemy? It comes from the prefix "blaptō," which means to hurt, to, to hurt, and the suffix "mean." The reputation of is to dishonor and disgrace God. Now take a hard stop here because I think that this applies to each one of us. When we misrepresent God in our culture, when we say something about God that is not true, we're being disrespectful to him. We are dishonoring him. It's important to remember. It's not just these guys or some egregious event. God is holy. God is perfect. We have to be careful with what we say about God, what we ascribe to him. That is not who he is. Caiaphas is in high performance mode. He could barely contain, I'm thinking this, he could barely contain his giddiness. And he pounces on the opportunity to get Jesus. No other witnesses are needed. Just a vote of confirming from the Sanhedrin. So Caiaphas sends Jesus to the Sanhedrin, the final step in the religious trials. 66 and 68. What do you think? They answered and said, he is deserving of death. And then watch what happens. They spat on his face, beat him. Others struck him. The palms of their hands with the palms of their hands saying, prophesy to us, Christ, who is the one who struck you? Demeaning, degrading, violence, violence, violence let me develop this so you understand the degree of violence that was taking place here their hatred of jesus was off the charts get rid of this guy beat him pummeled him they hated jesus they cannot contain their anger any longer remember jesus is god jesus is our creator unfathomable what they would do to the son of god now listen to this they spat in his face and Jesus didn't blink. Massive disrespect. Now you think they just went like this. There you go, Jesus. Oh no, they're, they're getting a big one up. I, I mean, it's, it's a terrible symbol, but it's, that's what they're, they're degrading him with this. They're pummelting him with this. And then they did something that's recorded in Luke twenty two sixty four. They blindfolded Jesus at this point. They spat in his face, degrading him. They blindfolded him and then rained punches on him. Now, Jesus cannot duck. He cannot move. He doesn't know where they're coming from. And he takes full force, full force, blast in the face, smack with the, with the hand. They didn't duck and he didn't move. They slapped Jesus with open hands out of disrespect. Isaiah chapter 50 Verse 6 and 7 and fifty two fourteen. tell us about this. I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. And then this verse that I think is well worth memorizing for each one of us, we can apply to our lives. For the Lord God will help me. Therefore, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I will set my face like a flint and know that I will not be ashamed. Look, in your hour of crisis, in your moment of trial, the Lord God will help me. I will not be disgraced. I will set my fl- face like a flint. Like, I will not be moved. I will face my, set my face as a flint. I will not be moved. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint. I know that I will not be ashamed. Now, Isaiah 52, 14 goes on to say, what this ended up looking like as there were many who were appalled at him. His appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human and his form marred beyond the likeness human likeness. Folks, this was a severe beating that Jesus no longer took on the form of who he was in his humanity. This is a vicious, vicious beating. Physical abuse, emotional abuse. He didn't let this, don't let this blow by you. This did, this did not hear, this was not hearsay. This is not make-believe. This is a real man, enduring real pain, real blows, real spit. The beating was brutal, degrading, and merciless, evil, all of heaven. Just think about this. All of heaven is watching this. The angels and their armies are watching this. And what do you think the angels are saying? Let us go. Oh, Father, let us go. Oh, let us save him. Oh, Father, this is terrible. They could not have fathomed. They don't know what's going on in, in eternity past. Only God does. They're living in this time frame. And they are experiencing this firsthand. They see what's going on. And the Father says, No. This has to be the plan. Jesus has to die. It has to be this way. Closing thoughts. Many in our world hate Jesus and his followers. We know that. And we know that if the disciples were found, they would have been killed. Many today are embittered with Christ. Life events happen. And many say, where are you, Jesus? Where are you? Why did this have to happen? Why did it have to happen this way? And they take out their frustrations on Jesus. They may even turn to other believers and say, why do you believe this stuff? Why did you believe this stuff? Sometimes they even persecute believers, hate them. This should be no shock to us. Jesus has prepped you for how to live in this world. He has prepped us for what is coming. Notice what he said. Persecution. We're not to be in persecution is to be expected. Jesus warned us John 15, 18 and 20 say this. If the world hates you, that's the world system. You know that it has hated me before it hated you. Then he tells you what to expect. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, and this is a absolute positive statement of something that's going to happen. They will persecute you. It's to be expected. It is to be expected in this world. Now look at so many Christians, so many particularly American Christians get off the Jesus train at this point. And they say, suffering is not for me. That's for the missionaries. That's for the real zealous Christians. Those kind of crazy over the top Christians. That's the ones that can suffer, but not me. No, not me. Well, they're just joining a chorus of people from past. Moses, when he was called, what did he say? Send anyone else but me. This whole thing of going to Pharaoh, and I'm, it looks like I'm not going to do very well there. I've, I think the guy wants to kill me also. Uh, I don't wanna, and, G, and, and, Jesus, and God said to him, you're the man. You're the man. You could just go tell him that the I am has sent you. And Jeremiah, when he received his calling, in Jeremiah chapter 1, 6, He says, oh, no, he didn't say this exactly. It's not a quote, but oh, no, this is a Rick quote. Oh, no, not me, Lord. I cannot speak. Send someone else. Anyone but me. Folks, we're in the family of God. We all can be expected to be tested. We all are going to be persecuted to some extent because of the one that we follow. It's just that simple. You have to deal with it. What will you do when that comes to your house? The American Jesus is the give me Jesus. Give me what I want, Jesus. The soft, cushy life. The all about me, Jesus. Folks, the all about me, Jesus is a false gospel. You know why? Because it's not about me. It's about him. In the church, it is not about me. It is about him. The give me Jesus sells, folks. You can fill up giant stadiums with it. Give me, Jesus. It appeals to our will. It appeals to our way. Folks, this is the flesh. Our focus should be on what do you want of me, Jesus? And you know what he said? Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. I think there's a great benefit to following Jesus. I think he does provide for us. I think he does protect us. I think he does prosper us. I do. I think if you walk with him... You're going to be a whole lot better than walking without him. But in the end, you represent him. You are going against the tide of this world and you will be persecuted. It's not about us, but him. Many today are being persecuted, dying for their faith. We remember Mesh in India. We must deal with the reality of persecution. It is real. We're blinded here. We're protected here. We're a little cocoon here in America, but the rest of the world folks are suffering manifestly by persecution dying for their faith suffering for their faith it's happening to brothers and sisters all over the question is how will you respond when it comes to your house how will you respond when it comes to your workplace you cannot mention the name of jesus you not cannot tell anybody about him you have to guard whatever you say you can have all the conversations about islam you want You can have all the conversations about what this world deems is okay and is not. You can speak about homosexuality, transgenderism. You can talk about all kinds of different religions, but you can't say Jesus. That's the problem. That will come to you. Now, what is our response to persecution? Supernatural forgiveness. Something impossible in our natural state. Folks, when you have had something done to you, That is so egregious all the way up to killing someone that you loved. Brutalizing. When you've experienced some trauma in your life, it happens all the time. The response to persecution that frees you is forgiveness. Something that you cannot do without the power of the Holy Spirit allowing you to do it. You can't muster this up in your natural man. It has to be a miracle of God. And forgiveness is, frees you. You must remember that. As much as I want payback, as much as I want something bad to happen to this person or in this situation, whatever it might be, persecution, persecution, disasters, forgiveness is to free you, set you free, and allow you to move on in your life. Until you forgive, you cannot move on. You're stuck. And you're the one that's tortured. And remember that Jesus said in Matthew 18, you can hand it over to the torturers. That's, the, that's an expression of you're going to be unsettled in your spirit until you forgive. It's going to eat you alive. And then realize, folks, there are rewards to, pers- to persecution. What is that reward? Full, complete dependence on God. A deep degree of fellowship with the living God. A place that you can only go to. When you experience these types of things, that deep relationship with him, the rewards of persecution, full dependence on, realize there are rewards, the full dependence on God. And it is there that you experience something miraculous, the presence of God, the presence of God in your life. That's what you want. And then you come away with, I give it all to you, Lord. I will trust in the Lord until I die. You get there. Think about this. How could these guys miss Jesus? How could they miss that he was the Messiah? He did things that only Messiah could do. How could they turn their backs on him? So many people dismiss Jesus, their only hope. They reject the evidence. Look, there's a plethora of evidence for the validity of Jesus. I mean, the miracles that he did, the lives that he touched... The, the the things that only Jesus could do, speak for itself. But I want to give you a couple things here. First of all, think about the historical proof of Jesus. This is not in your notes, so he really existed. Jesus was a real person. Now I know there's a lot of Jesuses today, Jesuses. That's what they call in Hispanic or throughout the world. But there's only one Jesus Messiah, only one Jesus Messiah. He really existed. This is not a myth. This is this is. This is not like the Roman pantheon of a plethora of gods or the Greek pantheon. This was Jesus was real. They aren't hear this truth over 30 non-biblical references who did not believe in Jesus validate his life. I will give you four Josephus, a Jewish historian, Tacitus, a Roman historian, Suetonius, a Roman historian. And then in the Jewish Talmud, Validates the life of Jesus. None of them denied what Jesus did. There was no eyewitness testimony that went around Israel saying he didn't really do that. He really didn't do that. It was massive witnesses when he fed the five thousand. It was there was people that disciples witnesses when he walked on water. When he did healings, he did it before multitudes of people. I mean, when they came to examine him, the Pharisees, they found that everything that that was purported that he did actually happened they could find no false witnesses and then finally the the creme de la creme of evidence is the resurrection arnold toneby says this find the body of that jew and christianity crumbles into ruins folks the tomb was empty they never found the body there was eyewitness testimony 500 at one time in Galilee agreed they saw the resurrected Jesus. That's unfathomable evidence. The disciples saw the resurrected Jesus. The women saw the resurrected Jesus. He appeared on the road to Emmaus. He made many appearances. The validity of who Jesus is is unquestionable. He is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. He is your only way to salvation. The resurrection. Jesus is real, and every human must deal with him. Deal with him as you can now to be your Savior, your Lord, or deal with him as your judge when the wrath of God is poured out. Deal with him. Jesus is alive. His resurrection is the hope of eternity. I want to give you, I want to read something to you. There's a guy named James Hefley. talks about one solitary life. Now, this is fairly old, and some of you may have heard it, but I think it's germane for this moment. Here is a man who was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. And then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. He never wrote a book, never held an office, never owned a home. He never had a family. He never went to college. He never put his foot inside a big city. He never traveled 200 miles from the place where he was born. He never did one thing that usually accomplishes, accompany greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He had nothing to do with this world except the naked power of his divine manhood. While still a young man, the tide of popular opinion turned against him and he was turned over to his enemies. He went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves his executioners gambled for the only piece of property he had on the earth while he was dying. And that was his cloak. When he was dead, he was taken down and laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Such was his human life. He rises from the dead. 19 wide centuries have come and gone. And today he is the centerpiece of the human race. And the leader of the column of progress. I am within my mark when I say that all the armies that ever marched, all the navies that were ever built, all the parliaments that ever sat, all the kings that ever reigned put together, have not affected the life of man upon this earth as powerfully as has the one solitary, as this one with his one solitary life. This is our Jesus. This is our Jesus. There's no one like him. God came to earth for us to save us from our sins. I want you to think about this, please. The last thing to think about, what will you do with Jesus who is called the Christ? That was what Pilate was dealing with. What will you do with Jesus? So you you have to believe and receive him as your savior. There's an active process that you take place in. God does all the work, but he asks you to receive the gift. The gift is not a work. Believing and receiving the gift is not a work. It's something you do, something that you can do because God has opened your heart, opened your blinded eyes. And then we're we're running into the Christmas season. And we sing a song here, and I hope we sing it this year because I like it so much. Is there room in your heart for Christ to write a story? Think about it this year. He came as a baby. He died sacrificially. He lived the perfect life. And if you believe in him and receive the gift of salvation, you too will be saved. This Christmas season, folks, I would ask you, all eyes on Jesus. And remember he is the reason that we celebrate this season. He is He is the season is not happy holidays. The season is Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas world. Merry Christmas. All eyes on him. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for this time to study your word. Thank you that uh, as we go into the Christmas season, Lord, help our focus to be riveted on the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, not the presents, not the glitter, not the lights, not the, uh, you know, lights, camera, action sort of thing but on our savior who came into this world as a baby died for us on the cross. Father, we thank you that we can celebrate the birth of the savior and we do celebrate it with passion. May this season all eyes on Jesus, the one who saved us. Thank you for this time. Holy spirit. I ask that you would implant into each person, the thing that they needed to hear today. Lord, we all heard something. Please, Lord, and not just hearers, but but doers of the word. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.